Welcome, everybody. This is your host, Angel, host of Atlas Cast, reporting live here from Amp Studios in Highland Park. In front of me today is someone I, could, I, I guess I can consider an old friend, uh, someone who I met a very long time ago, and possibly one of the most talented people anyone can ever see, ever, in history, really. Um, not to, to, to make his introduction short, but this is, <laughs> this is probably the most enigmatic person I've ever had sit in front of me. Uh, we have the one and only Robert Vargas. What's up? What's up? How's it going, brother? Good, man. Thank Good. you for that, that <laughs> intro, man. It's like, wow. I was like, who's coming? <laughs> Someone else joining us? I was like, that's dope. Um, I appreciate that. I, you're very, very welcome. And I appreciate you being on the show, man. Um, one of, uh, I guess to just really jump into it, I met Robert when I first uh, came home. I was fresh, uh, you know, out, out of the army, really. And I was your doorman. And I'll never forget the day that I started working there where my boss had pointed you out and he said, hey, hey, that guy right there, that guy is, he's someone, he's, he, he's famous. I always, you know, there's, there's people flocking on the street to see him from time to time. And I was like, oh my God, I think that's Benjamin Bratt. <laughs> <laughs> but, but as I continue to work there, I, I would see you just pop in and out at different hours. And I'm like, I wonder what this guy does. And you were always covered in paint. And you always had a fedora. The right. same fedora that was covered in paint. I'm like, this guy just probably paints houses. I, 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 I don't know what, what, what he's talking about. <laughs> Something like that. And <laughs> exactly, right? Um, I'll never forget you on your way out once. You were like, hey, have you ever been to uh, Mas Malo? I think that was, I think that was Seven the place. Grand. Seven Grand. Ma- Seven Grand's above Mas Malo, right? Right. And you're like, it, it, it's a whiskey bar. I, I had just turned 21 uh, and no one had bought me a drink ever. Well, <laughs> legally. And I get there and I see Robert on, on his hands and knees with a, a piece of, you know, a long piece of paper, charcoal, and, and I guess your, your, your tools, your utensils. Uh, and he's, he's just carving out a portrait of someone right in front of them. And it's, it's almost like a, you were like in a trance state, but it, you were completely focused. And it, it was one of the craziest things that I've seen. And while doing research on this, I've realized you've done that like a billion times to a billion people and, and not once has, has any of the creativity faded. I, I think each and every one that you do is, is completely insane. But uh, aside from those, you have some of the craziest paintings on, on the building, on the tallest buildings in Los Angeles, one being Angeles. And I, I would really want you to give my son and the listeners just an in-depth focus on who you are. How'd you get started? Well, I'm based here in Los Angeles, born and raised, like five, six generations. Um, Angelino, I'm very proud of that. And I never imagined doing anything else. I've been uh, a painter since I can remember. My, my earliest recollections of life were of me painting. Um, starting out in my neighborhood, growing up in an old uh, Victorian on a street called City View in Boyle Heights, you know, the backdrop of uh, from my stoop, I could see the downtown skyline. So for me, downtown L.A. always kind of served as a, as kind of a, a window to another world. And um, I feel like I was always destined to, uh, to think big and dream big uh, with that kind of surrounding kind of scenery. And I've been painting my whole life. Um, went to art school, did the whole thing, went to school in New York City, 
um, painted out there, and then came back home and just planted my flag right there in the heart of downtown LA about 15 years ago, 16 years ago, uh, before people were really thinking about downtown. And, you know, I'm blessed and fortunate enough to be a part of the renaissance, really rediscovery of DTLA, you know, especially creating murals in my neighborhood, in my home city. It's cool to be able to uh, to contribute to that history because there's such a rich mural history here in Los Angeles. And um, and I was surrounded by that a lot when I uh, grew up in Boyle Heights. And Boyle Heights, I feel, is a I've heard someone refer to it as the, the Mexican Ellis Island. Right. It's the uh, the Ellis Island of the West Coast. There you go. More so than just uh, specific to Mexican, um, but also just to immigrants from all over that migrated to Los Angeles. What got you really into art? What pushed you in, in that direction? Of, of Well, like I said, I never, there was no plan B. There was, I never imagined being anything else. So I was born an artist. I was born to do this art has so has given me so much and it's also an amazing platform to be able to not only create work but really affect change thinking about it as a um as a platform to be able to transcend not only you know hopefully advance your art and the art world but transcend community transcend space and time um so that's uh, my inspiration is is uh is all around me and i'm uh, especially inspired by people people are are um i love to tell their stories through through my portraits of them everyone's face has like a story to tell and we together we go through that journey as i paint from life i don't like painting from photographs i don't use any grids i don't use any projections none of that is ever really formulated when I'm, whenever I'm painting someone, they're usually right in front of me, no matter what size the building is. This is really a legacy mural for the city of Los Angeles. You know, it's really my opus right now. Wow. And um, I've been working on it for a couple of years. Every, like not even a roller, like everything is all just, you know, brush, paint to, uh, paint to wall. It's a mural that's like I have my vision, of course, I have the design, but there's also so much that's going into it that... That's really about the place and time that we're in now. You know, to paint such a big surface, I was thinking about um, taking my cues from ancient civilizations and how um, ancient civilizations have erected monuments to kind of show that they were that they were here, and uh, whether it's temples or pyramids um, that we're still finding about these civilizations today and how advanced they were, not just on the surface, but you know, a little deeper than that. So I designed the mural based on the way the sunlight and the shadows hit the wall one day of the year. So annually, there's, or every day, there's the topical mural that you see, which tells a story. But on one day of the year, which is February 9th, if you follow the light and the shadow play, it puts certain figures into shape, into shadow, into light, moves around the wall, and that tells a whole sub-narrative so that way this mural becomes a destination and lives every year to uh to tell that story and i'm using people of the now to uh to tell that story just like these ancient civilizations to say that we are here right now this is this is where we were in 2020 which I, is like the one you know a, yeah. an epic year of for many different reasons but it's significant you know because the themes in the mural prior to 2020 when i designed it we're all about unity, inclusivity, community, 
you know, it's it's a legacy mural for the city of LA, but it's really a microcosm for the the larger discussion of the world. So it's a, you know, it's an important mural more more than the record. It's it's an important mural for the the time that we're living in, and um, and I'm just pleased to be able to contribute to that. Yeah, if you could break it down for me, because I've seen you know there, there's different I guess aspects of that. Um, I know that there is the 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 little Native American girl, mm-hmm. um, the the two angels above, and I believe well now Kobe Bryant. Right, right. Well, the uh, shout out to uh, to the Tongva tribe. Actually, uh, someone from the tribe had reached out to me yesterday, thanking me on a on a post that I did, which was very um, kind of a close up detail of of the Native girl who represents the Tongva Indians. The Tongva Indians are the original natives to inhabit the L.A. Basin. And prior to, um, you know, really, if you're going to tell the story of Los Angeles, it starts there. Right. So I, um, I reached out to the tribal council, and they had come out with the chief. You know, the day before I started painting it, they came out because I felt like that was super important to be able to, to uh, put good energy into that wall. And uh, they came out, blew the conch shell, burned the sage, blessed my hands. You know, um, we said our we said our piece to the wall, and uh, it was a really amazing kind of way to start this this whole journey that I'm on, and um, and I have a great video of that on my Instagram. Um, but that's that's how that started. So I have a Native American Tongva girl who is who's front and center. She's really like the, the main focal point of this whole, this whole mural and everything kind of frames her. Um, and she's signing. And I always knew I wanted to do something with her hands, but I didn't know what until I got to that point. So when, once I got to her hands, I realized that Native Americans, you know, sign a lot with their hands. Mm. And I thought this would be a great way to include the ASL community. And rather than you know, just put up what I thought should be up there or appropriate their culture and um, language. I reached out to um, the Marlton School for Deaf Children here in Los Angeles, and they had invited me out. And I got to do a demonstration and show them how I communicate without words and do a little demo. And together, me with the kids came up with this sign, which exists in the uh, in the language, but we thought this would be the most appropriate, so uh, we went with it. So one of the little girls um, modeled the hands, um, and ASL, you know, deaf child uh, modeled the hands. She was four years old, and uh, about the the age of what this little girl is going to be. So it was it was perfect. So that's how that's how that came about. So whenever you know. Deaf people or people who speak ASL or communicate via ASL look at that wall, they'll see that there's something in it for them as well, that they, they're also considered. Um, and then, of course, moving on to, to uh, there's three angels that kind of mm-hmm. hover high above. And, you know, when I already knew I was going to paint these angels, but who the faces were that were going to tell the story were going to be, I, I, w- I didn't know. I waited until I got to that point. So, um Thinking about angels, I was thinking, um, you know, angels aren't typically painted to look like you or I. You know, they are, you know, blue-eyed and blonde hair, and and that's just that's you know that's the sign of of uh, or the image of the typical what what the, what purity is. Um, 
in these uh, in, in these depictions. So I thought, you know what, let's let's change that, and um, why not have a you know African American just from sight and. Uh, and that was cool. And they're holding a. Um, she's the one who introduced me to downtown. You know, she's the one who uh, who worked there. She used to work at Clifton's. Really, you know, when she was like seventeen, which is right next door to the right, building that right. we met at. And then she worked at Bullock's, which is also there on Seventh and uh, Broadway. And as a kid, I used to, you know, go with my dad and drop her off. So I was really familiar with that area. Um, obviously, uh, my reference points go back to it long before this current downtown right rent you know so that was that part and then now there was uh there's like oscar de la hoya's arm is up there representing um la's olympic legacy uh he went up there as well and modeled the arm so he's going to be modeling uh the olympic torch just his arm i mean what better uh symbol for a boxer and someone who's a, a torchbearer than just just their arm and he's obviously the golden boy so you know it's not going to be his face it's just his arm with maybe like a band that just says golden boy or something um but he was up there so well that's three quarters of the way done and then overlapping that is kobe bryant and at the time you know kobe was still with us and i had reached out about having him being a part of this mural, not necessarily just as a Laker, and I'm a diehard Laker fan. I know you are. And they're going to win tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, reach out to him and have him up there, but not as a Laker, but as a symbol of, of LA, LA perseverance, you know, a champion of winning, really. And, um, you know, after his passing, he w- I wanted him to come out in March. So... Obviously, what happened was was really tragic and devastating, and it went from creating this mural that was going to, you know, feature Kobe, to still being this mural that's going to feature Kobe. I'm seeing it through, but now that that area has much more meaning to it, so I adjusted it slightly. But it was always going to be the same pose. It just it was just a, a matter of what was going to be on his chest um, that changed. Um, but he's going to have his arms raised up in victory, looking out, which is you know how we remember him and and the kind of spirit he's instilled in a lot of us of that generation that watched him play. Um, so, you know, my my uh, mantra is always like "can't stop, won't stop." And, there you go. You know, it's it's a cousin from uh, it's it's definitely a cousin of uh, Mamba mentality. Exactly. So you know, Kobe was always a an inspiration on and off the court and i'm really excited about that part one of one of his arms is already up his face is half done um i can't get to the other half until i move the scaffolding but his jersey is literally going to come in uh, this coming week while the lakers are uh are in the finals um so because they're not going to lose this year I mean, exactly it's, just, it's yeah we are it's it's guaranteed mandatory. Yeah, LA's coming together as far as yeah. sports teams this this year. I, yeah. I know it's it's been a crazy year for like sports and stuff like that, but with all the bubbles and stuff, I mean, we well, have the only thing we have to to root for these days. <laughs> you know, I <laughs> exactly. mean, life is just uh, just uh, we're taking a hit, yeah. and you know, we still got the end of the year, the elections. I mean, yeah. so much like so Chaos. much hanging in the balance. So you know, these moments right now are uh, are important, and it's cool. It's it's important to stay present. Exactly. Not not to move too far away from from that mural specifically you also have our lady of dtla there you go so what's what's the story behind that one 
Our Lady of DTLA is uh, was painted at the corner of Sixth and Spring on the Yespi Tower um, about seven years ago. It's interesting because that block, um, for those of us who know Spring Street, you know it's it's really the center of of culture mm-hmm. and and uh, DTLA culture in downtown LA. But Spring Street, which is like the Nile of of the of the city there didn't really have like a, a, a ground zero. Um, there wasn't really a center point. There was a lot going on on 4th and Spring, 5th and Spring, 7th and Spring, 6th right. and Spring. But once that mural went up, you know, it really gave literally a face to that block. And, um, and I painted her as a symbol of, of uh, a maternal figure of like, as downtown experiences this renaissance, she's rising from the ground line raising one hand, pointing to herself to say, this is my downtown. The other hand, welcoming people coming into the city, painted in values of black and white as a nod to the historic architecture, splashed in gold, um, kind of like a nod to religious icon paintings. And um, my favorite time to see her is, is is at night, actually, because that gold that's splattered around reflects light, very much like Asian um, kind of gold screens. Right. And that's that's partly where I got my inspiration as well. That's insane. So out of out of all these, you know, pieces of art that you've created, what would you say would be at least, you know, give me like a top three favorite? <laughs> top three. I mean, they're all important. They're they're all they all have their own. You know, for me, it was never about painting, you know, uh, as many murals as I can, as much as it's about painting, you know, a mural with the right visibility be able to say the right message at the right time that can transcend, you know, a, a community. They all have their purpose, but I would say, of course, at the top is Angelus because it's a it's a world record and it means so much. I've I've put so much of myself in it. I would say that one, of course, Our Lady of DTLA, and also uh, maybe either the one in Boyle Heights. Um, Mariachi Vargas, they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's right on First and Boyle, across from the Mariachi Plaza. Um, that one, maybe. I've I've, uh, I've 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 been there a lot. I I, I know <laughs> I know exactly which one you're talking about. Yeah. So right right by the Tierra Mia. Yeah. Right. I just feel like that one kind of just set set the tone for for the decade. Yeah. I mean, and you put it in the in, in the perfect place too, because uh, I mean, prior to to having anything there, it was I I feel Mariachi Square was kind of torn down, but the Mariachis were still there almost right. every single day and and again growing up in I'm, I'm technically from there too i mean i spent uh, a lot of my life there uh my mom when she first came to this country she worked at a restaurant called la parrilla right there it's oh, yeah. you know exactly sure that, yeah i'm brooklyn yeah, i'm right on brooklyn yeah. which uh, i guess the new people call cesar chavez but <laughs> those new people those new people <laughs> <laughs> so um you know that mariachi mm-hmm. actually he's a real mariachi yeah. that i walked over across the street there was like a sea of mariachis there, like 50 of them. It was like a Saturday, midday, beautiful day. And they were, you know, out in force. And I saw one and that, you know, this particular guy had a, an amazing face and and uh, asked him if he could sit for me. So it, I love doing that where you're able to turn like someone from like everyday person into this monumental hero. And he just passed uh, maybe a couple of months ago. Oh, man. And his family had reached out and again said that they're thankful that they can almost like visit him there at that wall now as a you know as a reminder 
of of what he loved. To jump into another one, and I know we're going from one to one to one to one. But it's just I I think all 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 of these are just so captivating. I, you you look at them and and you can tell like the the hard work and the passion and, and the inspiration, and you like you can feel it. It radiates from everything that you've I, I've where I've been in the presence of. I've felt it every single time. And uh, my intention is everything. It really is. And um, I grew up at here in Highland Park. And aside from, you know, I guess Cholo and, and, and other culture, punk and rock and metal was was mm. a huge, huge part of I, I feel like the 90s and the 2000s here. Yeah. And I know you you had a you have you still have this cross pollinate in that world for sure <laughs> you have this uh this this wonderful portrait of one of the members of the suicidal tendencies in Venice. the member yeah yeah the, the only actually original member the man I yes psycho michael there you um, go. yeah that mural came about as a collaboration with the city of los angeles um ironically suicidal st was banned into of playing in the city of la because of uh just being suicidal uh. And um, and it's so crazy that the city then would commission a mural of of uh, Mike Muir um, right in the heart of uh, of the city there. So full circle, and of course it was a collaboration with the uh, with the city councilman um, who was a huge suicidal fan. <laughs> and yeah, we we you know did it together. It was funny because. He was like, "Hey, you want to go uh, go to a show? And let's tell Mike together that we're going to be doing this." So we went, caught the show. Afterwards, we're talking about it, and we're just talking about when he's going to uh, when he's going to have a, a break in time where we can do an unveiling and he can come out and you know support it. So we were going through his tour schedule of when he would have some some time off, and as we started talking about it, I'm like, "Okay, so." wait, you're going to be off, so that means the whole band is off and everyone's going to be in town. Why not just play a few songs? And I just kind of threw that out there, and he was like, he looked at the city councilman, and he goes, can we do that? I look at the city councilman like, you better (laughs) jump on this right now. And he was like, sure, let's let's do it. And um, somehow was able to make that happen. And... um, we put we put the word out like on a Wednesday. The show was on Sunday, which is you know come to the unveiling and then an impromptu uh, performance, surprise performance uh, for I don't know a few songs or whatever. And we had about ten thousand people descend in the arts district, and we shut that thing down. And uh, it's right where the Sixth Street Bridge is is uh, descending, coming into uh, downtown LA from Boyle Heights. Right. Um, so it was it was really cool. It was full circle for me as well. Just an epic day for the city of LA to see that performance happen. The mural I I literally the day before had to paint twenty four hours straight. The mural unveiling was on a, at two p.m. on Sunday, and I finished painting it at one forty five p.m. And I hadn't stopped since, or I hadn't stopped. Yeah, I hadn't stopped since nine in the morning the previous day. Jeez. Yeah, it was uh, it was epic. But that last like. That those last like maybe eight hours, I had ST fans just, or actually overnight, I had ST fans just coming in and hanging out with me. So it was, uh, it was a cool, just a cool spirit. Um, everyone came in peace, just skating, you know, playing some music, uh, ST, of course. And I, I would definitely have to say, probably one of 
my favorite pieces that that I didn't see you created, but I've, I've seen it myself. It. You was it was a uh, I believe the one you did for the Doors. Oh yeah, yeah, the Doors. Uh, Robbie Krieger's a friend. Uh, so is John, and they're the last two surviving members of the Doors. And I had this commission to paint at a hotel in um, in Venice, the Kinney Hotel. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it just it's this quad area with literally these four doors in this quad. And I was thinking, wow, you know what? I don't know of any mural that commemorates all four doors members. Right. Sure. There's murals of Jim Morrison, but, but there's nothing commemorating the whole band as a, as a unit. So, uh, I reached out to them, said, Hey, are you guys down to come by and, you know, be a part of this and do this and they were they were into it so painted this mural of the doors had them come out all psychedelic colors uh just did it in one kind of one take one run you know for a few hours painted that really quickly and uh yeah it's actually one of my favorites too you mentioned three earlier but on a given any given day i could probably throw that one in there but uh yeah it was uh really special to just be like standing in front of this mural with like Robbie standing in front of his face, John Dinsborn in front of his face. And, um, you know, of course, Ray and, and Jim up there, but right. yeah, just epic. And of course, again, just representing the city of Los Angeles, Venice and, uh, LA music royalty. I mean, cause that's really what it is. Cause you see the colors pop, you see how everything just kind of flows in, in, in your portraits and, to have it on Abbott Kinney, you know? Uh, right. Well, it's actually right. Washington Boulevard and Abbott Kinney. Yeah, right in that area. Right. And, and I know that that's now actually one of the most uh, sought after locations in the city. I wanted to ask you, have you ever been to Jim Morrison's cave? Grave? C- cave. Cave. So he had a cave where he would write the doors. Uh, he wrote Lyrics? Like, most of the albums in a, a specific cave up in the canyons. Mm, and you can no. it's 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 a it's like like laurel canyon like yeah, up there it's it's in laurel canyon and, and it's it's in the side of like this huge boulder and he would write there i i i want to find someone where i can do an episode there mm. i could take this in that cave and just Interesting. like try to tap into the spirit of jim morrison or something <laughs> I, I think that'd be a trip but um well according to the guys i mean the, i was able to capture something in that in that uh in that mural that they you know, that they resonated with. So there was a couple of pictures that we took in front of Jim's portrait um, with the guys. And that was really, really cool. Yeah. So I, one thing I'm really curious about, and because and, and you just said it right now, like working 24 hours straight, what, what is, what, what is uh, like a normal day for you, like painting? What does that look like? I mean, if, if uh, like say, for example, coming up, I have a project I'm doing with Starbucks so I'm collaborating with them, painting a uh, a permanent mural inside one of their locations, and um, actually at Sixth and Spring, so really? right across from Our Lady of DTLA, <laughs> uh, just kind of taking that whole corner over. But um, you know, Spring Street is also a direct you know conduit from um, City Hall. So yeah. every march, every protest comes right through there. And of course, with everything that had recently happened with the uh, with what happened with George Floyd, um, I created a mural on the you know outside of uh, of Starbucks uh, on the boarded up you know the windows were completely smashed in when looting happened and they uh, they boarded up the windows. I painted a mural there to kind of actually show solidarity with the movement, but also reclaim the neighborhood because we live there. Yeah. 
and um, it wasn't about a corporate entity or even supporting a corporate en- entity as much as it was just, like I said, just reclaiming the neighborhood and continuing the dialogue of justice being uh, being needed. And uh, they went from that to uh, to commissioning me to paint a mural inside, me pretty much freedom to be able to say what I want to say and continue that that conversation. That's beautiful. So um, that's obviously the only way. As a creative, a creative control is everything, and that's the only way I would take a commission. Um, so now I'm able to create something that speaks to, you know, not only BLM but also other other things that are happening um, right now, other other causes, as well as just wanting to be, yeah, wanting to support change, unity, peace, and love. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, that's happening coming up soon. So my day is going to be like showing up at Angeles, you know, at around 8 in the morning, finishing at about 4 p.m., and then walking over to two blocks away, to work on the Starbucks mural, which would, you know, start at about five and then be done, who knows, 10, 11, and be ready to rock the next day for, you know, the next couple of weeks. That's insane. And then fitting some things in between. That's And it's crazy, too, because your your art has, in my own personal opinion, has never taken a decline. It's, again, you're, you're, you're up there, no grid, no projector, doing it all by hand, memory, sight. You know, and, and I, I, I recall you saying to uh, to I, I forget her name. I, I'm sorry. The, the, the anchor lady from uh, the Fox 11 News. You, you're Christine very, Devine. There, there you go. The lady that's been on since I was forever, a kid. right? Forever, she yeah. does, doesn't age. No, she her. doesn't. And she like she she's like she's really on top of it still. Like, oh, yeah, she's 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 really out in the field doing these yeah. things. Um, shout out to Christine Devine. <laughs> shout out. Um, you said that you were a very physical artist, like. How 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 do you how do you balance that being up that high in a scaffold and and again being that physical because I, I I recall seeing you just just pounding and just dragging stuff across the ground and yeah no I'm still still just as bit as as physical up there as I would be on the ground but art it's about the message so I'm just you know a conduit of nature in that way and the the, the stories that you tell behind these paintings is 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 I feel what perfect because of you know everything that's going on. Um, of course, uh, 2020 has been obviously the one, an insane year. I, I, I can't, you know, describe it any other way. And it, you know, it inspired me to start this podcast for my son because I, I realized, you know, back in '92 when all the riots were going on in Rodney King, I don't recall anyone ever really educating me as to what happened after that. I, I remember the city being on fire because of TV, and that was just pretty much it. And I wanted my son to to get. To, to just grasp the, the points of views of different people. You know, you, how, how you were, you're saying, you know, the, being able to, tr- to, to translate, you know, your words into your art and express unity, peace and love and stuff like that. Uh, earlier today, the, f- the first person I interviewed was a soldier that was deployed to the, to city hall to, pr- to protect it during the protests. Mm-hmm. And, and again, he, we mentioned sixth and spring a whole lot. It's like, you know, that that's where everything is. And, 2020 is just, I feel, one big story. With well, When I painted that George Floyd mural mm-hmm. outside, I was flanked by the uh, National Guard. Really? So there's photos of them, you know, there's four on my left and four on my right. And, you know, so I had to part them in order to paint this mural. But they were really cool. Yeah. 
um, really supportive of it and, and just kind of stood by. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, yeah. I get it. I still had that kind of same yeah. theme going on. And, and, and it's, and, and I'm, and I'm glad that you actually, you know, you, you got to, to get that out because a lot of those guys I actually served with and I've known for, for many years and they're not stormtroopers, you know, they're no, not at all. They're, they're, and most of them are, are Angelinos, you know, second, mm-hmm. third generation Angelinos that would, you know, that love the, the stuff that you're doing and, and love the representation of our city. Yeah, yeah, actually, a few of them followed me already. So <laughs> it was like, yo, we got you, Robert. Like, no one's going to tag on this. I was like, Dope. that's what's up. Yeah. Um, but they, they were, you know, they're just there to make sure they actually were there as protection. Of course. Sometimes we need to, you know, you need to protect ourselves. A deterrent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but not just a deterrent, but they were there to also keep keep the peace and uh, they only got involved if if need be and and they were pretty pretty much you know in the background but all all a great group of guys yeah so i i remember having this conversation with you like about 10 years ago hip-hop right mm-hmm. is, is is a very very big part of i feel like you know who you are and i guess uh who i, I like asking this to, to my friends who's your top five dead or alive top five dead or alive just MCs or, MCs or just oh yeah, I mean they could be the groups. Whole... Just just oh, but top five dead or alive. Well, I'd say Tupac, number one, just because gotta roll with them. Tupac, Biggie, Rakim, Rakim. I was listening to Microphone Fiend just the other day, and I was like, man, banger. Love, uh, I loved Q-Tip. You know, Q-Tip was just nice, and uh, I mean. Five could be anyone from like every member of the Wu Tang Clan to like every member of NWA. So I, I, I don't know. I let's let's go West Coast. That's NWA. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I, and and or I, Ice Cube. Of there you go. I, I, well, I mean, he did write most of the NWA albums, I think. Yeah. So uh, Rakim, Immortal Technique, Big L, Nas, Biggie. I I know that there's no West Coast representation in there. I it's see just, that. Well, let's move on. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yo, shout out to Robert for keeping it real all yeah, the time, yeah. dude. Um, but I, I, it's and it's funny that you bring up NWA. I was, of course, I mean, if you look at me, I'm I'm, I'm a Korean kid. I, I I know what I look like, and me being half Mexican, I had the NWA logo spray painted on my backpack all throughout high school. Wow. I was just such a such 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 a fan of Easy E, Dr. Dre, mm-hmm. Ice Cube, Ren, and DJ Yella. You know, it it, it really shows how I guess any form of art can influence a kid especially and it drives them to 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 seek different avenues as to it's a lifestyle it you is know, it's, it's it's music it's art it's fashion it's it's all of it when all those things meet you know that's when you have an artist right it could be as as early as starting out as a graffiti artist you know and then you become a a, a huge what you know people would consider a classical artist you know it, it it's insane how people can tra- transition into that you have classical chops as an artist but and even approach um however i paint with the immediacy of like you know someone on the street um however i never did graffiti i never wrote up on walls like that um and shout out to my friends and crews that are that (laughs) that do what they do uh i i was always you know i was it's funny because you know a lot of those guys you know are making the transition onto to the fight into the fine art world where I was in the fine art world and so now doing more work that's that's accessible to everybody right. out on the street. But I've been painting murals since I was like 10. So 
it's not really anything new for me. But uh, but yeah, no shout out to all those guys. No, seriously. With, with 2020 being such a crazy year, I, I know you're, you're you're still working on Angelus, and that's going to be. Uh, w- w- when would that be completed? As soon as possible. Man. There you go. That's that, that's the real way to say it. Because you know, it's as soon art. as possible, because uh, you know I'm trying to get that done. Um, the one the one silver lining that COVID has had is that I'm in town. Yeah. You know, I painted like maybe ten murals around the world while I've been painting Angelus, traveling for this or that. But now that I'm grounded, you know, I'm I get to uh, to just kind of focus in on that. You know, I've got other projects that are local, of course, like with the Starbucks deal right. and a few others. But I I get to be home. And um, this is the longest I've been home in a long, long time. Yeah. So it's actually really cool because I get to uh, to really just focus in on that. So I anticipate it being completed um, hopefully in the spring. I, I thought it was going to go on for like at least another two years. Cause no, I'm trying to get that massive. done as soon as possible. Yeah. And, and hopefully by the time I finish that, which will be next year sometime, we can all move you know, a bit more freely and maybe that mural and what it means to the city will be part of a catalyst for people to come together and celebrate, you know, just why we live in love in Los Angeles. You know, if you look at some of those images, especially the ones where I'm painting out, you know, outdoors, I'm doing this whole series called Portraits of the World Mm -hmm. and Portraits of the World for me is, is uh, it's going to be a book that I'm going to be compiling. And I paint, up up until this year, I was painting about 800 of those portraits a year, just the black and whites, not the murals, not the brand collaborations, not my studio work, just the black and white portraits. I was doing about 800, 800 of those a year. And, um, you know, if you look at an image of me painting in downtown LA at 6th and Spring, where I'm on the ground and I'm rocking it, there, you know, there's there's a crowd there doing my thing. But when you see that same kind of engagement and it's in Paris, it's in London, you know, in Trafalgar Square or it's in um, in the old city in Jerusalem, right on the ancient limestone or it's it's amazing to see how no matter what the, the language barrier is, even in Kyoto, Japan, you know, whatever the, the language barrier is that you still see all those people come together and the language, the universal language of just the human connection, the creative process is uh, is one that, that just brings everyone together. And I love that. I love that that narrative and uh, bringing people together that other, otherwise wouldn't have spoken to each other. But now through this, through seeing me create this and then being a part of the creative process, there's a dialogue that's happening. And, uh, and that's part of why... That's part of being present. I want to say that other than the time at uh, Seven Grand, there was only one other time where I, I kind of got to see you out in the public eye. And it was funny how I, I stumbled across that. And I don't, I don't, I didn't, I didn't even know that it was kind of your thing, but you had like a collab or with, with a uh, Far East movement, actually. Oh yeah, those are my guys. <laughs> You're taking it way back. That's, that's how far back I, because I, I want to, yeah. I was part of that crowd. That's why. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, shout out to FM um, and what they're doing, uh, not only just, you know, what they've done in music, but also, you know, advancing uh, the music and culture, uh, Asian culture and pop music, um, you know, producing and signing artists, it's uh, managing artists, it, it's uh, it's really cool to see. And they're, you know, homegrown kids from, uh, 
from uh, from here. I want to say they're from Koreatown. I yeah, K Town. You know, that's where they kind of made their bones. But you know, in and around. Um, but we did do a big collab in downtown, which was kind of pre pre F, pre uh, suicidal. The first time I shut down <laughs> an intersection was at Fifth and Main, where I, you know, I I was just on the cover of the uh, of the LA Weekly for mm-hmm. the first time. Um, I'd since been on the cover again, but that was like that was a you know it's a big deal, especially back then uh, when when it meant something. And um, had them come out, and uh, I was in their Rocketeer video, which was a big hit for them. Uh, designed the jetpack in that video. You could see me in there with I think like DJ Quick or whomever, and um, and then invited them out, painted a mural of them right on the street, just did this impromptu thing, no permits, no nothing, and they were out on milk crates, and we just they rocked a couple of songs, and then when the we had about five thousand people yeah. out there, but everyone was really chill and really well behaved. Um, a little different than the ST crowd, which I uh, love, you know, because they like tore down the fence to get to the get to the show, um, and I, you know, I love everything about that beautiful chaos. But the uh, the FM thing was really cool. They people came out, and then when the cops came, they came to kind of shut it down. But they realized, hey, everyone's kind of cool, yeah, you know. Um, so then they turned into traffic cops and just managed traffic. And let this thing happen, and we did about a couple of songs, um, and that's all we needed. It's so funny how, again, you just painting live or or just being in a certain place just it, it draws those crowds like crazy. I mean, I, I I get the music aspect of it all, but when when hearing you tell these stories, it's like you can draw what that what what they're essentially what they're trying to make you feel with their music. I, I feel like you know with 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 Mike up there, it's you know who that is. A- anyone right. that's ever listened to 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 you know rock and, and you know punk rock and, and metal and stuff like that, you you know who St is, right? You know, and and again, having the flipped up hat and everything, like it's the persona mm-hmm. that that carries with you know with how you paint. And- well, I think people know, you know, especially in these circles, they know that it's real. Like, and what you're where you're coming from is real. Like, I'm not I'm not up there trying to you know, front and say this is, you know, oh, I'm down with ST and, and not really know what's what's up. Like, you know, I used to skate when I was a kid. I'm signed by Vans. Like, I, I you know, they sponsor me and I travel all the, around the world with Christian Asoy and Tony Elva and Steve Van Doren, you know, uh, Steve Caballero. Like, we, we go all over the world. And um, that's part of, you know, that's part of my, my, my culture. It's part of my upbringing. So the music and thrash metal, um, you know, I've I played guitar since I was ten. You know, so well, kids today are trying to, you know, are, are on Guitar Hero doing, the, you know, playing that. I was actually trying to pull off, uh, you know, those Jimi Hendrix right. licks or whatever. Yeah, that's music has always played a big part in my life. You know, I, I break danced. You know, I you know I wasn't a part wasn't a crew when I was a kid. You know, um, you know I, I play music. I, you know, and all of it's centered around my, my visual art. So being able to, uh, to paint, you know, with my heroes and travel with my skateboard heroes and, you know, hang out with the doors or do whatever, you know, it's, it's just what a blessing. Like the 10 year old in me is just like, what, (laughs) you know, it's, I'm stoked. Um, 
and I never uh, never forget how how fortunate I am and you know what can I do to pay that forward when I'm doing my thing and how can I influence a next generation to pick up a brush and say hey this way of life is possible um and you don't have to uh you don't have to wait for the gatekeepers to say all right I'll show your work in my gallery or you're not ready yet come back in a year like what is that artist supposed to do this whole time so I'm trying to also advance the uh the culture in the way where people should you know be in control of of their art of their be able to explain why their art exists and not just hand it over to some fat cat manager who's looking to just hike up the prices so he can you know uh get a big bigger cut you know it's important for artists to have you know creative control creative freedom and um you know that's let's flip it on the galleries let's flip it on these agents and uh you know the power is with the artists i mean you're obviously you can't put what you're doing in a gallery no and <laughs> and especially the the live work and the um the public work you know it reaches a wider audience than just the the gallery you know the people that are just if, if i just wanted to create work that if i just wanted to get paid and that's it you know then i'm just Showing in galleries, having that, and and just you know counting the money, whatever. But I feel like that's not that's not my that's never been that's never been part of my constitution as an artist. Um, accessibility to the arts has always been really important to me. Art education is important to me, and you know I I have a solo museum show right now in Sweden. Like I I show in those institutions, but at the same time to reach a wider audience and people that wouldn't otherwise have access to galleries because galleries and museums can sometimes feel a bit intimidating for people or a bit sterile, a bit cold or not inviting. Right. So um, the public work that I do is specifically to reach an audience that, that wouldn't otherwise have access to that or feel that it was for them. So for them to not only get to see it in person, see it happening, uh, pick up a message or even take part in it and model for me just because they were there. You know, that's that's the conversation that I want to have. That's the engagement interactions that I want to have with my audience. I feel like that accessibility not only endears me to my to my you know to f- people who follow my work, but also me to them. You know, I, I want to keep people within arm's reach, not at arm's distance. It really just sounds like you you obviously interact with 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 your subject your your art is live you know yeah it's, it's a it's an it's an experience you know you get to see the uh, the finished product and the pro- and end product is going to be dynamic there's a lot going into it but seeing it happen in real time where it's not formulated it's not it's not uh rehearsed or something like that like when i th- some t- i don't even like thinking about <laughs> me as like a live painter or or any kind of performance artist because when I think about that, I think of someone, you know, flying in on a harness and throwing paint on the wall and flipping the canvas around and it's like Obama or it's, you know, <laughs> Einstein. It's something that they've practiced a million times. And that's cool. There's, there's a place for that. Um, it's entertainment. Right. But what I'm doing is, is organic. It's on the spot. I'm doing it right then and there. I'm pulling people from the crowd that didn't know that they were going to get painted. I'm painting people that I didn't know I was going to paint. But the inspiration, the moment calls for it. And 
we're 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 doing that together. We're doing that in the moment, and people watching this happen feel just as invested in the painting's outcome, even though they're not sitting in the sitting for the portrait. They feel just as invested because they're seeing it come together in real time, and you know those same problems or challenges that come up in the creative process when you're in private in your studio are happening right then and there in front of, you know, hundreds, sometimes thousands of people. But you get to, you know, there's no time to sit there and deliberate and think about something and edit and go back to it. Like you're, you're in it. You're on a, you're on a high wire. Yeah. So like you, you make quick decisions and, and you, you go with your instincts so it's a great painting live is also another way of being able to sharpen those tools that you wouldn't otherwise have if you're just in the in your studio. Having your studio and being alone in your studio sometimes allows you to just kind of get get a little I don't want to say lazy, but a little like you you can overthink something. And just like a painting if you overthink something or you overwork something it gets muddy. So mm. a way to sharpen that tool is to you know be 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 on it. Make yeah. make quick decisions and and uh and then when you go back and critique your work and look at it, you'll you'll know why you made this decision, that decision, and what next time what happens if I go in this direction? What happens if I go in that direction? So it's all it's all language. The mark making process is all language. It's all experience. You know, when I'm drawing someone, I'm not just drawing their eyes and their nose and their mouth. I'm like pulling from a place of experience. What does that feel like? What does the emotion, you know, feel like? What 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 in my past have I experienced that makes me translate this particular person's face in this way? And what am I pulling from this person that that I'm able to to express in this painting that when I'm done with it, they can look at it and go, "Oh my god, that looks like my father or that looks like my grandmother." Or you don't know this, but like I'm, I just lost this person in my life, or I'm about to move to Costa Rica and I just quit my job and I'm like scared, and or I'm excited, and you captured that in the in the painting. How would I know that? You know that that's all from that silent dialogue that happens in the creative process that you just can't manufacture. When I think of live painting, live live artist type thing, I, I was a witness to that. I, I remember again, you buy me my first whiskey. <laughs> you buy me my first whiskey on the rocks and then just, just say no <laughs> and then just you just went for it and i i was i, I want to say i was three or four whiskeys deep at that point i was like this, this, this i most- just bought one i don't know what, the, what happened I, to the other three I, I i i had bought those for myself i was like wow. this, this guy this is the guy like and the way that people just reacted when you were when you were starting and and, and again i just watched but it. see like, when i was painting i was also collaborating with the whole band mm-hmm. so they were what wasn't mentioned is that there's a full, like maybe a six piece, seven piece band, jazz band that's also painting, that's also creating music on the spot. They're jamming and not, not performing, not not playing standard songs. Right, jazz. So yeah, so it's happening right there in the moment and with no vocals. So I'm in the stage plot with the band, almost like as their front man, but I'm creating work that's also sometimes dictated by the pace of what was happening with them and they're looking to me also taking certain cues that's dictating their pace right so it was a really cool 
a really cool exchange creatively, you know, um, between all of us. And then some unassuming person that just happened to show up at the bar becomes part of yeah. that mo- monster. And, uh, and you got to see that. I, I got to see it. And, and, and again, it's almost like I was able to, of course, absorb it and feel it and, you know, stuff like that. I'm glad I, you came. I, I, I wouldn't have, you know, again, I, I wouldn't have had that experience. I wouldn't have understood that, that there are artists like you in this world, you know. And I, of course, there's only one Robert Vargas, but <laughs> I, I feel like, like how you just explained it. You, it was like a, like a soul-searching freestyle that a rapper would kick off and with, you know, the instrumental. Totally. Yeah. Complete. Yeah. So, again, my my appreciation of, of, uh, of the art of, you know, emceeing and freestyling and, you know, as a guitarist is jamming and with a, and a, with a guitar solo or whatever, like it's, it's that same, it's that same, same thing. And that's why I think like, even in the skate world where you're, you know, you're up on a vert ramp and, or you're, you're skating, uh, you know, on street and you're like, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to try this move because I'm feeling it right, right now. Like you only experience can give you that, that I feel like in all these different worlds, you know, why, why I get along with and connect with, with some of these uh, amazing creatives in their fields is because we all intersect at some point. At some point, we all like, we all get each other. Like we yeah. get, I get what's punk rock. Like, you know, when I'm with Tony Alva and we're, you know, he's doing something and I'm like, like, that's it right there. Uh, or Nikki Six from Motley Crue, like mm. just the way, the way he thinks and the way he approaches life, you know, we have the same same DNA in that sense. And he's also going to be a part of the mural, Angelus. He's come up on the lift with me, and he's, uh, he's going to be a part of uh, the creative spirit of Los Angeles. And, and, and again, as I mentioned before, this, this podcast is for my son. What's your son's name? Atlas. Atlas. I, I named him after the... the world Greek. is yours, Atlas. Exactly. And uh, <laughs> it was just a, a daily reminder for him to really remind him that he's going to have to carry his own world on his back and march through every day and to some people it might seem you know kind of beautiful was that i'm like looking over to this guy with the camera like how dope was what he just said was it's it might seem uh, gloomy to people but the only no not at all but like the 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 reason like i I know that people like oh it's a punishment and stuff like that a lot of people don't understand that (laughs) zeus was so afraid of atlas because he was also the titan of strategy so he had to essentially force him to use all of his strength to separate the heavens and the earth he's not carrying the our world on his back he's carrying the heavens on his back and separating mm-hmm. us from them and that's how he controlled the constellations and what would you tell a child growing in, growing up in 2020 for me when i wear that it's a reminder of there's nothing worth there's nothing worth doing unless you want to be great at it and kind of makes me think of you know someone who's carrying the heavens it's like not everyone can do that you know not everyone's going to be would uh rise to yeah. that to that moment but the ones that do and atlas is is you know born into it you know that's that's what that's what he's gonna do you know so i would say to uh to a kid who's being a creative or just just any anything in general any piece of advice you would want to give a kid growing up in in this my my son's only two so (laughs) i'm 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 expecting him to to listen to this drink milk (laughs) (laughs) i'm expecting him to listen to this when he's you know in his late teens or early 20s but right a kid growing up in 2020. Well, I would say so. That's that's pretty cool. That's a whole other story. But that sounds so insane. You know, it sounds cliche, but you know, follow your dreams. You know, uh, create, play music, 
play outside. You know, I would, you know, right now I would say, kids, go out there, play outside, like get to know your neighbors. You know, put the phone down, put the, put the, you know, the iPad, iPad and- down, and and actually go out, go out in the street or not in the street, but well, we were out in the street. We were, yeah. <laughs> um, just get outside. Um, follow your dreams. Be unapologetic. You know about what you, what you want to do in life. You know, try. Try drawing. Pick up an instrument. There's no wrong way. By this time, you probably know what you're doing. So now I'm talking to you, Atlas. So by this time, you probably know what you want to do. Hopefully you do. If you don't, that's okay too. But you've made it this far. And I know your dad's proud of you. I'm looking at him right now and I'm talking to you. And I'm telling you in 2020, he was really proud of you. And I'm proud of what you're going to do. That's what I would say to, to someone at that age. And uh, to Atlas and his teens, I would say, yeah, just just go for it. You know, you get out of life what you put into it. So don't be afraid to work for it because uh, the rewards are great. I appreciate that, Robert. Uh, I was about to cry. Damn. Where can my followers find you? You guys can follow me at Instagram um, or on Instagram, Twitter at the Robert Vargas. T-H-E Robert Vargas. Again, brother, I, I appreciate having you here, man. This is this means so much. Thanks so, for so having much. me. What a what what an amazing story. I mean, we I hadn't spoken to you in almost what, ten years. Ten years, and um, thanks for for following my trajectory and seeing what I'm up to. And now you're you know you have a kid, and like how amazing is that? If it feels good to you, you know, then that's what it is. Let's see where we are in another ten years. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll Let's uh, do this again. Yeah. 10 years, we'll, we'll set the reminder. <laughs> well, uh, I, well, I mean, almost every episode, everyone's been kind of throwing it out there. I'm, uh, I'm having a daughter oh, in February. Look at that. See? So, can't, uh, talk about can't stop, won't stop. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Mama mentality. There you go. I got it. I, I, I'm, I'm going to The greatest have, score of all time here in exactly. Adam Park. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Can't stop, won't stop. Man. That's awesome. So now you have a boy and a girl. Yeah. You have her name set up already? Athena. Athena. What's with the, with the Greek uh, I uh, I just... I mean, like, I love them. I'm yeah. just curious. Where Their stories were always relatable to me. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I've been a big fan of them since I was like a, a little kid. And um, I, I didn't want like, you know, your, your, your typical... So the Alexander the Great situation or uh, medallion kind yeah. of struck a chord. Yeah, it, it, it really did. And uh, Athena is the goddess of defensive warfare, mm-hmm. the goddess of strategy the goddess of wisdom, you know, her, 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 the, the animal that represents her is an owl for her wisdom. And, uh, her, her weapon of choice was a sword. She was never born like the rest of the gods. She was a, she was born from the migraine of Zeus. Mm. He, he, he thought of her once and he had a headache and she broke out of his forehead and she was already fully grown and fully clothed and fully armored. And I, I would hope to have my daughter follow that and be fierce, be strategic, mm be wise and although you know her brother is Ares the god of war she always I'm an Ares <laughs> she she always outworked him and always uh she was able damn. to beat him because of <laughs> yeah be, because Celebrated of strategy too soon there damn <laughs> but i mean Ares he he, he signified the, sure. the bloody side of war but she sure. signified the glory of it i love it yeah love it wow that's uh that's a great story there's yeah. some there's some greek mythology in angelus as well that starts with the constellations that were above mm-hmm. me when i started the mural 
And I'm also trying to think about when I end the mural strategically with the constellation that's going to be above me when I finish. That's like some pyramid Aztec stuff. You, you, you. I'm, I'm telling you, when yeah. you, the, the mural and why it resonates is because there's, there's real, like, there's thought to the longitude and latitude and the, obviously the sun, everything's considered. So it's, it's really a portal to, to the past and to the, to the future. So I, I get what you're putting down. That's cool. Exactly. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Again, this, this was Robert Vargas. I, I hope that you guys follow his work. I hope that you, know, you guys take away from this because as, as big as you can be on the side of a building and be you know, projected across the world, you can be as humble as coming onto some podcast that some guy's just starting up. So <laughs> That's my pleasure. It's my honor. All right. This... Uh, this season, I've been dedicating these episodes to to different people, and I was waiting for you to dedicate this episode to Kobe Bryant and Gigi. Man, rest in peace. That's cool. Rest in peace. Ciao.